Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic here on the Sports Digita series. Excited to have our guest on in Nicole Allison, Director of Partnership Marketing at the NHL, along with my co-host, Christy Grady-Murray, and excited to talk a little bit about Nicole's journey uh, in hockey, both from the team side and, and the league side. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of innovation coming off of the NHL league meetings as well. Uh, and nonetheless, Nicole, welcome. Thank you for having me. Christy. On this wonderful Monday morning. <laughs> Christy, good, good to see you as well. Nice to see you, Jake. Thanks for having us on. So let's just touch on, uh, Nicole, real quick, your background. Two-sport athlete. Is that how you got into sports? Yeah, in college, yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and what led you from college into ultimately the world of sports and entertainment? So... I have to date myself because it was before the world of email. I mean, we had email. I'm not saying that we didn't, but like it was before all of this. But I played lacrosse and field hockey in college. Um, I grew up in sports all my life, um, playing and watching. Um, so it was something that I I knew quite a bit, um, especially you know from my my dad. But when I was decide when I was about to graduate. You know, initially I wanted to do law or get into government and civil liberties and those types of things. Um, but sports, I, I had a job with a temp agency for like seven months. And my boss there was like, you know more about sports than any man in this office. And you beat us every time. And he was like, you know, you really should think about getting into sports. And so I was like, okay, you know, I thought about it. And then I, I, actually interviewed with um, USA Basketball in Colorado Springs. And I interned there for seven months during the summer when they have, when the, you know, the, the dream teams go on their summer European tours. This was right after the, the Olympics. And um, so I did PR there and I, you know, learned a ton. And then I wrote a letter to the president of the Philadelphia Flyers because I had seen him speak. And I just said, you know, I, I'm interested in working in sports. I, you know, I'll work for free. That's when that was legal. Um, and he called me in, we met, we talked for a while and he said, you know, if you want to, you know, we'll set you up with an internship. And they were a very small organization. So I did PR, but I helped with anything. I mean, if they asked me to take out the trash, I took out the trash. Um, I was there for five years and um, I was their director of sales and service doing the ticketing and the marketing. And then we also kind of touched on sponsorship. And then from there, I decided to go to Arizona, which was at the Phoenix Coyotes at the time, and build the new arena in Glendale. Don't get mad at me for doing that. <laughs> but I, I learned how I learned everything that goes with opening a building, which has helped me now in my career with the league. Um, and I learned a ton because having having a knowledge in the traditional marketplace versus a marketplace that is non-traditional and you have to come up with different ways to sell versus retain, um, you know, really helped me in the in the future. So we had a year-long lockout while I was at the Coyotes. 
the league had an opening in club business. I got a job at the at the league, basically getting the teams up up to you know you know we I think we had like three corporate sponsors at the time when I came in on the league side and the teams were much worse. So it was really getting up, you know, everybody just up and running again and helping to kind of have this team talk to this team or kind of share like, hey, this is working so far and that sort of thing. And then I did corporate sponsorships at the league for about 10 years. So, um, and then but right before the pandemic, I moved in, back into club business, which has always been, you know, where I wanted to, to be working with the team. So now I would say that um, while I do know a ton about um, sponsorships, uh, ticketing has always been, you know, an area that I um, am a champion for because at the team side, the ticketing side is so important. And if your tickets are healthy, then the rest of your business is going to be healthy. And it's harder to sell a ticket, you know, than people think. It's harder to retain a ticket than people think, especially now. Um, so I think having those two areas and then obviously doing a ton on the community side has, has helped me, um, you know, with where I am today. Nicole, one interesting point you made earlier was the non-traditional market versus the traditional market and how you have to go about your business in each one. And I think that's a really interesting point to, to emphasize in that you might be sharing best practices across different teams, but they might work in specific markets where the fan base has been there for 60, 80 years, right? Versus the one that's just had an expansion team in Las Vegas in the last, you know, five, 10 years, right? And so when yeah. you think about the perspective that you're sharing with teams being at the on the club business side, how do you almost separate, not in a way of like, hey, these people, you know, these teams are different, but there is truly a different way. You've got to get someone's attention in a non-traditional market where, hockey isn't the first thought that comes to mind. It's true. It's true. And, and, you know, I think, I think, I think all the teams realize that the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, the Montreal Canadians, the New York Rangers, um, the Boston Bruins, um, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. I, I, I think everybody knows that they are in a league of their own, you know, Detroit Wegmans, even though they've struggled and, and Chicago has struggled, but they are in a league of their own that they have this brand that's been around for a long time. It's passed down generation to generation. And I don't think teams are, um, you know, I think they get it if they're not going to be compared to that because it really, it makes no sense. Now, the difference between today and five years ago is that it's more what I'm finding is I'm sharing more ideas based on topics and demographics and how marketing, you know, more marketing related in terms of like, you know, we really need to get more women or we really need to get, you know, a younger diverse, you know, and so in that sense, we're sharing from everybody. And in some cases, the Toronto's of the world will do a great program that I could share with Arizona. Um, that would make sense. But it is, it is a, it, it, you know, it's like, it's like the NFL teams, the six NFL teams, and then you have, you know, the, the, the others in terms of, you know, fans are born a Rangers fan or born a Bruins fan, like I was. <laughs> so, um, but, but it is, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we, we tend to have calls that are based on, you know, whether it's like markets, like demographics, um, 
you know, and then we just have teams that have been around a long time that bring in a ton of business. I mean, the New York Rangers and, um, you know, bring in a ton of business because of where they're located, um, that they are so popular, that they have been a very consistent team for New York in terms of winning. Um, and they bring in a lot of dollars just because, you know, all those big, big companies are coming to the games and doing all those things. So it really, it's changed a lot, but it, you know, it, it is still, it is still for us. Um, you know, I don't know how it is in baseball, but I can imagine the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs of the world are, um, you know, kind of an outlier. <laughs> Well, and I think, Nicole, it's interesting that, you know, you're talking about those very traditional teams, the ones that you're really born into that fandom. But then you look at a club in the NHL like the Kraken. And I mean, they had a rabid fan base two years before they even launched as a franchise. And can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that Seattle did successfully to launch at such a, such a high level? Um, and I know they're continuing to push the envelope and they're, they're coming up with great ideas that other clubs can benefit from, even those more traditional clubs, right? Because they've been so innovative in what they've done in Seattle and love to get your take on that. Yeah, I mean, what I, you know, Bill Chapin, who is the, the president over there, he worked with the Anaheim Ducks for a while. Um, so I knew him back in those days. And the one thing I will say about him and a lot of the people that they've brought on is the, the, the number one thing they wanted to do was do it right. You know, and not, you know, so if some, so it was quality over quantity. And so they really took the time to do the research um, to come to, right down to the color Pantone of their of their logo and the history of Kraken and bring in the hockey sense and educate the public and get the kids involved. And so, you know, it, it was a process, but they really took the time to get to know not only the market, but the people. Um, and, you know, I was in Seattle about five, six years ago, and that is a hockey town. Um, and they were in a sense they didn't have to educate a lot in terms of the game of hockey because so many people play hockey there which i didn't which i didn't know but they really you know i think their first step was to build a building that was in the future um and really catered to different segments of people so you know young you know you have um you know the, the kids then you have you know the younger out of college that are just working, you know, then you have the businesses, you know, you have families, you have tourists, you have, you know, so they have something for everybody and different foods and the technology is out of this world. And they really took the time to make it so that, um, and teams are, teams are following this, that it wasn't just a hockey game you were going to, it was like, you were going to have a great night mm -hmm. because you're going to have, you could have a great dinner. You could go to a, a bar that's there and watch the game live in a really cool atmosphere where you can still talk and hear the game and things like that um, but they took the time to know like what are what are the what do the people want in a team um i think they you know they were able to price high but they they did do research as to like what is that line and and have options for those you know that couldn't spend that so they were very careful in terms of how they um that they had something for everybody i guess is the best way 
to. And, and a lot of teams, you know, they weren't able to do that, you know, five, 10 years ago because it wasn't set up like that. But I think now you're fighting for, you know, with the pandemic, especially people are working from home. They're not saying, Hey, let's just, let's go to a game at five o'clock. You know, you're going to the grocery store now. So it's all changing. And, and they really were lucky enough to be able to be in a time where they could address those issues early on and from the start. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a chance to catch up with Bill um, Chapin at the league meetings this year, and he and I worked together with the Seattle Seahawks and then helped launch the Sounders together. So a lot of what you're talking about, too, I mean, with the leadership of Todd Lightwicky, it's just his way about embracing the community is such a critical part of any franchise that Todd has ever been a part of. And I think it's interesting to see how that was woven into the fabric of the Kraken from the beginning. I wasn't surprised. To see that but I think it's it's a good um, testament to that approach and really embracing the community and the experience makes a huge difference for any franchise right no matter whether they're brand new launching or they've been in existence for a long period of time and you touched on this a little bit is that youth part of it and I know you know one of the big initiatives was building youth hockey rinks and really helping to grow the game in, at the youth level in the Seattle area and surrounding areas um, was really, really critical. Um, so I think it's just a good good point to make and something that all teams can can learn from and take have different takeaways just from a community perspective, not even sponsorship or ticketing, which I know we're going to get to from an, an innovation perspective, but um, appreciate your insights on the Kraken. Well, I think that great um they're a great example for them because, you know, when I think of NHL teams, you know, that really are fan forward, I think of not, did I say NFL teams? Mm-hmm. Um, they're fan forward. I, I always think of the Seahawks. And for whatever reason that is, they really do have a sense of that community. And I think the Kraken were smart to kind of follow that whole, and the Sounders are always, you know, so I think Seattle in general is maybe very much like that and um but they you know they definitely were um had good good people to pull from in that area because you know i i always you know in all my you know yeah green bay has fans that are involved and whatever but seattle always seemed to be one of those cities that really was fan focused um and the kraken you know have taken that that line too so but yeah. Well, one thing, one thing we were going to talk about from an innovation perspective, um, you mentioned earlier, though, that ticket sales is kind of that bread and butter for a lot of the teams, right? And then everything else kind of falls Not in line. Here. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have people at the arena, you don't have concessions, you don't have merch, you don't have uh, eyeball, you know, extra eyeballs outside of TV for sponsorships, you don't, right? Like, the list goes on and on. But when you think about innovation and and you know, not everybody thinks about innovation when it comes to ticketing. It's like, well, here's your tickets, right? Like the, there's gotta be, you know, obviously we, we've had dynamic pricing for a while now and, and um, we've had people on the podcast that started it, right? But uh, in, in terms of innovation and where the league goes and, and how you kind of roll that out to teams, what does that look like for you? Uh, and and what, what's kind of the, the thoughts behind it as well from a long-term perspective? Well, I think when it comes to ticketing, I think in hockey and in, in the NHL, the first thing you have to understand is that um, 
hockey is best seen live. You know, we're doing all these things with the cameras and the broadcast to try and make it better, but hockey is always, and so we've got to get people into the arenas to really then get into the game. And up until, you know, a couple of years ago, the broadcast, we weren't able to do a ton with it to really, you know, even just camera angles. So, um, so just a historical context, it's always been the most important because we, we didn't have those big contracts in broadcast. Now, now we're, you know, we're not the NFL, but we are doing really well on that, on that, on that end of things. So um, it's kind of leveled out a little bit. Um, but, you know, five years ago, I mean, I remember when we came out of lockout, we were with the outdoor network or versus or like, you know, so it's like, we always had to rely on, on the ticketing side. It's kind of swayed a little bit more now with streaming with different ways to watch, um, you know, now being with ESPN and TNT and, you know, it's just, it's added this whole other, other level, but with ticketing, um, you know, I think it used to be full season tickets, mini plans, like 11 game mini plans. And then you'd have like, you know, a thousand single tickets, if you, you know, depending on the kind of team you were, if you were sold out or not to buy singles. And now it's just all over the map. And I think about, you know, my concern this year is, you know, with inflation, people like myself are making choices, you know, do I downgrade my direct TV? Do I do this? And like, so I think teams now are, flexibility is the key with everything now. And I don't think that's ever going to change. So if a season ticket has a, has a, if a season ticket holder has a season package and they're like, you know what, this year I can only do 20 games. I think teams are going to have to start, you know, doing that. And then also doing more for the single game tickets, whether it's, you know, experiential or gifts or, you know, all that sort of thing. So it's kind of like the time that you're in, but also people have evolved and how do you keep those buildings energized? Cause it does add to the broadcast, but for us, the best way to get people to like hockey is to see hockey live. But you can't also give people too many options, right? Like there's like on the devil's advocate side, it's like, well, if you have 15 options to choose from, it's almost like paralysis by analysis. Like the, they're not going to choose any because they don't know which yeah. one uh, just as you have 17 different streaming options now. Right. And it's like, um, how do you, you don't want to simplify, right? Because you're trying to go away from simplifying of, Hey, give people flexibility, but you also don't want to provide 17 options, you know, so that your staff is also stretched thin on, on, well, what do I sell this person? What do I sell? Right. Well, I think, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to go this way, but I've seen teams go in the sense of, you know, how like you have a financial planner, your, your services rep is going to kind of have to work with you you know, and maybe, you know, five years, you're just season tickets and whatever. And then, you know, you're having a baby or twins or whatever, and something changes. So I'm, I agree, there's too many options, but it's going to be interesting how they navigate in terms of keeping those people in the system um, and not just giving up. So whether it's like just one-offs, like, you know, if I knew somebody was really going through a hard time or whatever, I'm just talking to them individually. And I know my, my people that I work with and I, I, it may go more along those lines. And I think some of the teams that do it best, like, you know, they really know they have their people and they know them all and they know, you know, 
what interests them. You know, there's this big game coming up. We're doing this. Do you want to buy more tickets? Do you have this or, you know, those sort of things. It's going to be interesting how that's how that is uh, navigated in the next couple of years. It's more about it's more about relationship selling. You know, it's like it's it's become more like that sponsorship relationship on the ticketing side. And I will tell you, I mean, I think about friends that I have that used to be season ticket holders to places and instead they're still spending the same dollar amounts on their tickets, but they want a different experience. So they want to sit courtside and they want to go into the, you know, the the courtside or sorry, I should say on the ice, right? Or sit on the ice or, you know, wherever it may be. I think the key is knowing what they're willing to spend and what experiences are going to mean the most to them. And that's where the services side has to know that you can't rely on just, Oh, they've always been a season ticket holder. They're just going to buy the same thing again. People really do want a specific experience. They'll still spend the money, but it needs to be something that's really going to blow them away and be a unique experience. It's not just, Oh, I have my season tickets and I'm going to, you know, 40 plus home games. Christy, Christy, real quick, I've never heard the financial planning analogy, and I don't know if that's just, I've never heard it, or it's fascinating because then you're like, all right, well, how do I keep the fan for their entire lifetime? Like that's, that's the perspective it brings, right? Is, is, can I get this person in at 18 when they're, I mean, obviously you want to get them in younger, but they're not spending their money. The parents are but can you get them in at 18? You know, you've got them as a fan and then how do you grow them over time and invest them in your, your brand, your organization? Um, thoughts on that? Because I've, Nicole, I've never heard that before, but that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I called my, I have Charles Schwab and they kind of have every, and I was like, what should I be doing right now? And I just, cause I was like, you know, because I have to cut back on certain things you know, things here, you know, in the tri-state area, here they're really expensive. Um, and so he just kind of gave me a lay of the land. And I was like, this is what ticket sales is gonna, you know, it's in a, and it is a relationship. And one thing, my, my boss, who Mr. Snyder at the Flyers, the one thing he told me that I've never forgotten is it's easier to keep a sale than to go out and get a new sale. And whatever you have to do to protect that whether it's a person or a sponsor, that is the most important because you'll spend months trying to get a new person to fill that or it's, client. It's so true. I think about even just here at Sports Digita, Angelina, one of her biggest things is she's more proud of getting a customer renewed than she is getting a new client sometimes because that's that says we've done our job, we've done the right thing, we're listening to them. We are serving like financial planners for our partners, for our season ticket holders. You know, it, it is, I've never heard the analogy either, Jake, but I love it. And it is so true. Nicole made a really great point. People go through different stages of life, right? Like they have babies, they send kids off to college. And so their income may change for a little bit. And as long as you can respect that and work with work through that with them and maybe then you're still hosting them at something you know is going to be such a big game for them and they didn't buy tickets to but you say you know what I have a couple extra tickets I'd love to host you and your significant other at the game this coming weekend I mean that goes such a long way with someone when you can respect where they are from a financial perspective on a year-to-year basis and I love that analogy of financial planner I've never heard that Nicole and I will attribute that to you anytime I use it (laughs) 
You heard it. You heard it here. Yeah, yes. it's, so, it's so true. Like if you had season tickets and you're having a baby, but you can't, you don't want to spend the whole season because you know you're going to be busy. Why not have your baby shower in a suite? Mm-hmm. and have an experience and you know fun things like that I mean there's just all different ways but you got to listen to who you're talking about and and when they're hurting you need to be there to to, to help them and then celebrate when they're not and mm-hmm. you know it's just it's and it's with clients it's with sponsors and people you know and vendors and everything it's just it's just, it's it's the whole package I'm very service oriented <laughs> But that's because that's what I was taught that, you know, you take care of people and they'll take care of you. Well, regardless, the the service, you know, the the mantra of service, right, runs throughout everything. It's yes, there's a sales component, but you can't you can't sell without service either. So um, 100% on that. When when you think about uh, the innovation size, we we get towards uh, the third period of this episode. what's what's coming from the NHL what's new how are you helping teams uh generate more revenue kind of in the long term again we touched on the ticketing side but even maybe from the sponsorship side and 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 what you're doing with your sponsors too at the league level as well so with our sponsors they're heavily involved in our in our tentpole events like winter classic all-star game stadium series um global series you know just you know, anything that, that we're hosting. Um, so they're involved in that on the activation side, on site, but also on the broadcast side. And that's really helped develop, you know, much bigger partnerships um, as these games get bigger, um, most mainly on TV. Um, so for our sponsors, that's a big, uh, that's a big initiative that hasn't changed, but is still growing and we're getting more and more money as these games get bigger. Um, and then there's, you know, the new categories that are, that are coming up. Um, and that is, you know, gaming, CBD, um, you know, NFTs, uh, you know, the, the DED, you know, all these things. So I can go into that later. Um, but there's all these new areas that are bringing in new business that have money to spend. Um, and the challenge is, is that, you know, each state is different with their laws. So you have to first start there and what is allowed and what is not allowed. And then, um, and then kind of go, go through that with, with each individual club and figure out, okay, you know, what can we do? What language do we have to have? And that sort of thing. Um, But it's bringing in a ton of money and we've had to open up, like, you know, we were closed on a, on a lot of those initiatives. Um, so we've had to open it up, you know, make sure that we're working with our governments, making sure that we're, you know, doing things the right way, and then finding different areas to promote them, whether it's, you know, TV or dasher boards. Um, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily allowing on the jersey and helmet, but um, just different ways that we can incorporate them into new revenue streams. And that's a whole different new revenue stream. Um, We've had helmet uh, sponsorships this past year, which went over really well. And we have a threshold that you have to hit. Only certain types of categories can be on there. And then we'll be initiating the the Jersey patch, um, which is, you know, for 
going back to like, you know, the traditional markets, that's a big old, bigger deal for the traditional markets than it is for some of the other markets. Um, there's a couple teams that are like original six that, you know, they're not sure if they're going to wait in there yet. It's, but they don't, no one has to make a decision. And, you know, for it to be on the Jersey it has to be a significant amount of money. Um, so, you know, if it's not going to, if they're not going to get what they want or what they need or should, um, you know, you can wait, you know, but, but I would look, have, have people look into that that's going to be something new that they're going to see. Um, NFTs, I don't know enough about, but that is a big area, especially with youth and gaming. Um, and, you know, EA Sports does a great job with, with our hockey game um, and working with them who know, who know the business um, in helping to grow that. And then we've also started a, a, gaming, um, a gaming league, if you will, that every year we have a championship and, you know, um, and that has a, was an entire like different revenue stream and makes a good amount of money. So, you know, they have all these gamers that are doing EA and doing all these things. And then at the end of the year, there's a big championship and then somebody wins, you know, a lot of money and it's all sponsored. Um, and then the big one is, is the DED, which um, it, you, it's, you know, it, it, a lot of it started which was kind of great during the pandemic because we had to be really creative about dashers and how to build, bring in more revenue um, with no fans um, and also provide to the local fans, not just, not the local partners, not just, you know, the Hondas, the Geicos of the world with the NHL. So we started virtual on the glass. We started virtual, you know, um, in the dashers on the ice, you'll see it, you know, in different in different aspects to help the teams bring in more more revenue. Yeah, Nicole, I love that you you brought DED up, and just for the audience who's not in the NHL or at oh, one of the one of the clubs, it's digitally enhanced dasher boards, is what DED stands for, and. Um, the club business meetings just took place back in mid-July. You had a record turnout. So I'm going to shout out to you and Susan and Coeg and the rest of the, the organization at the league office for such a phenomenal tournament. And there was over 850 attendees from across the league in one place coming together. Um, first time they've all been in person together since the pandemic. So fantastic turnout and a great time for you all to roll out really just their overall strategy behind it, the assets that they have. You actually trained people, I believe, at the at the league meetings as well. So, you know, in talking to some of the teams and contacts that I know coming out, that was one of the biggest things that they were excited about is DED, again, digitally enhanced dashboards. And I know it was something you guys tested out at the end of last season, and it's a big initiative for this coming season. And just to give kind of the audience a little bit of, of background. I, I took a few notes from talking to people, so I thought I'd share with the audience here, and then you can certainly chime in and give your take from a league standpoint. But, um, you know, I think you guys did a lot of research around that and found even just viewers are spending over seven times more time viewing the NHL partner DED versus the static creative that was there before, which I think is interesting just because the dynamic nature of it and it's their localized sponsor. So that's the biggest thing just for the group listening is it's really about if I'm the Minnesota Wild and I'm playing at Capital One out in DC, I'm going to see wild partners, even though I'm watching a broadcast that's taking place in DC. 
So it's all about that localized exposure. And so that recall is so much stronger for the fans that are watching. So that's been a huge initiative for the league and the teams are seeing a lot of benefit from it. And just because that recall is so much higher because it's brands that they're used to seeing, it's their local market brands. It's yes, there's some national brands in there, but it's gonna, they're gonna see their local brands that they're used to versus seeing an away market um, brand. And, and I think the other piece that I thought was great is you are giving teams flexibility, right? They can decide, I want to sell a full takeover and just give it to one brand, or I want to sell a mirrored takeover and give it to two brands, or I need to have, I have a lot of brands that I'm working with and I need to have split zones. So I want five brands up there. There's a lot of flexibility that's given to the teams to decide what's going to be best for them to monetize their dashers. And I just think it was a huge takeaway from the meetings and certainly a new innovation you guys are working on and would love to get your take if there's anything else you'd add to what I just brought up. No, you, you summed it up very, very well. I mean, I think, you know, if say, say you had a partnership, a local partnership that was a million dollars, you've just added this whole other set of games, 40 games, let's just say, of more brand exposure. So that 1 million turns into 2 million. And, you know, it's, it's just every, every dollar counts. And, you know, we hit record revenues this year of 5.5 billion dollars. And a lot of that is all these different new revenue streams, you know, all tech based for the most part, um, you know, and, and it, it does, you know, like having worked in Philly for so long, I mean, I know I want to see hers. I don't want to see Lay's. I want to see Drake's cupcakes and not hostess and you know but it's just it's that sense of pride in a lot of ways too from you know where your city is um and it just kind of carries over um so it's going to be it's going to be um i'm excited to see it roll out um you know uh, i think it, and the, the teams i think they're gonna you know it's going to be successful for them and that's what's important it, it gives them you know yes we share all the revenue but you know at the end of the day we the league works for the clubs and this is going to help the clubs. It's going to help them hire more people. It's going to help them, um, you know, build their brand um, in terms of their, their logo um, and bring more notoriety to their, to their community and maybe bring in new sponsors as well. So um, it's really a win-win for everyone. And the only, what's that? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and isn't it something the league is taking advantage of as well? So when you have multiple feeds, like you have a feed in Switzerland and you have a feed in Russia and you have a feed in Finland and you have a feed in Canada and in the U.S., that you can serve up the right advertising that you need to from a league perspective, too. So when you think about your brands and your sponsors from a league standpoint, I would assume that that would be really beneficial. Oh, yeah. It's opened up the doors for our tentpole events you know, double, triple in terms of what we're able to, to provide, you know, before it was like, okay, you could be title sponsor of this, you can be title sponsor of this, you can have two dashers, you know, you know, and now it's just like, we can just do more stuff for everybody mm -hmm. um, and new and new partners and let them test out to see, you know, and then maybe bring them on the next year. Um, so yeah, exactly. it's going to be, it's, it's going to be see, between the jerseys, the helmet and DED and, you know, and, you know, how it's going to work with crypto, NFT, um, CBD, you know, that that's a whole other thing, but that's coming. <laughs> a lot so, of acronyms, Nicole, a lot of acronyms out there for us. Hey, sports, sports.
sports is the king. Well, everybody's the king of acronyms, but sports is the king of acronyms. They all have, they all have their own and, you know, everybody thinks that that everybody knows them too. So it's, it's, you know, it's a fun problem, but. Um, I don't even know what CBD necessarily stands for. It's cannabis something, but you know, but it's not cannabis. It's, I just, I just hear CBD. And I know what CBD is. And hey, NF, NFT, non-fungible token. You know, you, at least you got... That I actually knew because I actually <laughs> did sit in a meeting and learned that yeah. much. That's you, about, that was like my takeaway. Otherwise... Said, I you said earlier, you said earlier you didn't know that much about it. I'm sure you do, but there's there's like way more than you could possibly even know about it to, to try and retain all that. So totally, totally get you on that. Uh, two quick rapid fire questions to wrap up the episode. Uh, Nicole, favorite arena you've been to? Um, hmm. I mean, non-hockey. Non-hockey? Well, as a fan, it's still Fenway. <laughs> um, but I would say I haven't been, I haven't been to Seattle, um, Oh, that's a, it's a tough one because, and I haven't been to, see, I haven't been to the new ones. I haven't been to UBS yet. Um, Christy, this to, I, you got to get, you got to get Nashville, your client out Nashville. to the new arenas. Maybe Nashville <laughs> in terms of hockey, just because, you know, it is, it is just such a party. It's just, everything is just exuberant and, you know, from a hockey's perspective, but I would, you know, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I would say Nashville from the, from the, from the, that I've seen so far. I've seen most, most all of them. Um, but you have to get out to UBS then. I mean, I hear great things. So you'll have oh, to make I, sure that. I know it's gotta be, yeah, it was kind of crazy last year, but this yes. is definitely on the top of my list. And I know like, you know, um, I mean the garden, I, you know, I always love the garden. I mean, I just, I think everybody whether it's a hockey game, basketball game, concert, it's just, it's just a great arena, but it's got the history to it too. So. Christy, you got a favorite, you got a favorite arena? I mean, uh, that's not even fair. I'm, I'm 12th man fan. So Lumen Field is my favorite. If I don't have to pick a league, I, I mean, there's no place like, like that from a sound perspective. I was there when the, when beast mode and the earthquake, you know, register went off from the crowd. I was there. I was working for the team at the time and I, there's just no place like it. Nicole, last one for you. Uh, best food at each arena or at, at one of the arenas. What's the best food item you've had? Oh God. Christine. LA, LA was pretty good um because they have a lot of different options I remember I remember that that I mean it's been years ago um that I went maybe five six years ago um but any place that has like a restaurant <laughs> because it's nice to go from work be able to have something to eat like sit down talk and then go to the game is just it's always a nice and and most of them are, are having that now but um you know, the, the Bruins food, I always think is good, but I, you know, it's all the Bruins local brands that, you know, I'm used to. So 
I, I would say more recently for me, um, just because it's one of the events that I, I went to uh, more recently would have been um, Timberwolves pregame, like same thing though, it's the whole restaurant experience there and um, yeah. David, David Fema, local chef. So I think it's kind of touches on what we talked about before, right? Really localizing the experience and bringing in those chefs and bringing in guest chefs and doing all these unique things. It's, it's about the experience and the food combined. So that would be mine just because it's the most recent um, for me, but it, it does kind of go in line with everything that we talked about here today about the experience being so important. Yeah, you hit on it best, Christy. Because each, each, each arena is so unique and it's because of that, that local sense, which, you know, like, like in Boston, you can go to legal seafood and maybe you can't go to it because you live in the suburbs or something. And you have, you know, you just have all these different things and, you know, Philly, it's, you know, well, they don't, they don't really have the cheese, the right cheesesteaks, but you know, they have, they have all, Pittsburgh is a great example. They have the Primantis or whatever the, and those awful sandwiches that everybody loves. I don't know. The well, they're not awful if everybody loves them, no, but because they're Pittsburgh awful. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it. I mean, it's, but I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, that's only that's only because you work in Philly. I have to say Pittsburgh is one of my favorite NHL arenas because the people there are just they're just such good people. You know, um, they're just happy. They love hockey. They love their team. It's just for whatever reason, I always come out of there feeling good. All about the. The experience. It is. Oh. Nicole, Christy, really thank thank you for the the thoughts, insights, perspectives uh, on on both uh, your journey, but also the NHL, the innovation happening, uh, community. I mean, we hit on a lot of different things today. So, yeah. uh, nonetheless, I'm taking away that financial planner uh, analogy. That is fascinating. So. Um, <laughs> Take note of that. And uh, you already set yourself up, sorry, but you set yourself up for an episode like a year from now to kind of do a rewind and like what's happening with all these things. Awesome. Well, October 11th, our season starts. <laughs> Come watch the DVDs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll have to touch base with you partway through the season maybe, Jake, and see how that's going. Love it. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.